0: Master. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Um I laugh a little bit because I have a one hundred and thirty pound Doberman that thinks he's a lap dog and constantly needs treats. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> that's enough about me and the dogs. It's been a crazy last month or so. You know, we have been back in action. The PBR's been back. The PBR has been producing Live television only events from the Lazy E Arena there in Guthrie, Oklahoma. So, not too terribly far, just about two and a half hours from the house. Been fun to go down there. Um, actually, one of the crazy things about it is we get there a few days early. We go through the uh, coronavirus testing or the COVID 19 testing. We then go quarantine in our RVs that they have leased for us uh, for 24 hours just to make sure the tests come back negative. Once the tests come back negatives, we, we get into our social groups. And, um, you know, then it's, it's just a fun weekend. So we have produced three events in the last four weekends, and um, I think it's been some really, really compelling uh, action. I think it's been fun to watch for PBR fans, and most importantly, I think it's been good for – the entire world to kind of see some uh, semblance of normalcy, getting back to uh, buck and bulls and letting these athletes compete. So anyways, I feel like I'm saying uh, a lot this week. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Anyways, um, no, the, the uh, is because it's over for a couple of weeks. Anyways, it sounds like PBR is going to Las Vegas. We will be having a brand new team challenge, a team competition. So uh, log on to PBR.com, continue to watch all that. Speaking of PBR, this week is uh, really exciting for me because it's a guy that I really, truly look up to. It's a guy that I, when I first started kind of getting the idea that I might get to do a little bit of on-camera stuff, um, I I wanted to work next to the guy. I I wanted to work with him in some capacity and... Uh, I got to do that, and I cannot even begin to describe how much I learned from my guests this week, and hopefully, it is just the beginning. Hopefully, we'll get to do more and more projects together. Um, we've been racking our brain about some things, so hopefully, that'll all come to uh, you know come together soon. That being said, I am going to turn it over to Megan real quick to tell you more about this week's podcast.
1: This week on the Matt West Now podcast, you'll hear stories from the Craig Hummer.
0: There it is, folks. Best co-host of the business. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. You're going to hear some stories. You're going to hear a lot from my guest, Craig Hummer, who is one of the best uh, television play-by-play guys I, I've I've ever come in contact with. I've ever watched. I'm a huge fan. Uh, he's done it all. He's done MMA. He's done PBR. He's done uh, drone racing. And that's right. He's even been on Baywatch. So here it is, without further ado, my conversation with Craig Hummer. I'm nervous right now. I'm not even. You are all, why? I, I'm super nervous. Well, come on, because this is the first. Uh, Baywatch star I've had on my podcast.
1: <laughs> well, uh, my hope for you is it's not your last. Although, although, <laughs> me too. The, although the Baywatch stars are getting a little old. They've not a long in the tooth, my man. Uh, unless you're talking about Baywatch the movie, and then maybe you can get Zach or you know is, the, Rock the, with or the Rock or somebody. Yeah, you okay. are not allowed to call him that anymore. Oh, I know you got WB. your wrestling background, yeah. but we're not. You know, Dwayne. Well,
0: that's so crazy to me that Mr. you can't Dwayne, even own your to own. You name. And me.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually,
0: guy, I'll never ever meet probably for me. Um no you were asking me about this little guy that's Jim Ross Jim Ross speaking of wrestling Jim Ross Oh yeah uh to me the greatest wrestling commentator ever Okay so I just I found that in Chicago a little pro wrestling store and uh, I like it Yeah I thought he was cool a little cowboy with a, a commentator yeah. Um somebody brought it up to me today that like we're really the only people in the broadcast world that are actually calling live sports until well f- for a few weeks there we were yeah. Now you know UFC's back but yeah. That's a crazy part of history. Like, really, when you think about it, I hadn't really stopped to think about it. Like, we're the only ones in in our industry that were working normal jobs.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing or the other twist that I'll add to what you just said, Matt, is that we were the last one doing it too, right? You think about that event we did mid-March in Duluth. Everybody else had shut down. You know, you name the sport that people consider major league, right? right? Uh, and I know that's a that's a little tongue-in-cheek yeah. battle that we that we fight or have to yeah. listen to a lot of here at the PBR. But, but yeah, so we were the last one active. We were the first ones back. And even though you and I know there's a certain surprise coming up later on, we're going to set another first, even though we can't tell the fans. I know.
0: Them. I'm super, <laughs> super excited. There was a press release came out um, earlier this week that kind of started tiptoeing and teasing some of the things that are going to happen. But I mean, at the end of the day, We're a part of history and it's our you tipped me on to is it Ryan Holiday? Yeah. So I dove into YouTube and started watching a little bit and you and I had talked earlier. At the end of the day, it's how we react to being a part of history. And it's either we put a negative spin on it or we put a positive spin on it. And I'm super into doing the positive side of everything we're doing right now.
1: And listen, I'm glad you said that because I think that's you know, I don't even remember the first time we met, let alone work together. But but I know I've always gravitated to you because I immediately sense that kindred sort of philosophy, if you want to call it, right. of positivity with you. Yeah. And you know, the the saying is glass half full or or you know, right. glass half empty. Absolutely. But I, I I was trying to think about this. You know the biggest joke I have, right, with Shorty Gorham about the percentages. Uh-uh. So so one of my biggest pet peeves is that when people say I'm going to give 110% or, you know, something like that, um, there's nothing more than 100%. Right. It's impossible. Period. to. So Shorty, right, that's one of his go-tos. I'm going to give 110. <laughs> and when he's in a really good mood, he's going to say, I'm going to give 115%. And we were in a meeting one time for our TV shows, and I, I joked with everybody that, right, you can't give more than hundred percent. But I was thinking about how what I'm about to apply it to is the saying that I think of you and me. The glass is either half full or half empty, right? But I was thinking you and I are like glass three quarter full, yeah. People, absolutely. You know I'm because to be. because we're you know going to just always really work at finding the positive in a situation.
0: It's, and it's hard sometimes. Absolutely, and it's a it's it's hard. You you said the word work. And sometimes you have to work to find the positive. It's it's not always, you know, on surface level, um, but it's there somewhere in everything. Um, you talk about Shorty. How lucky are we? Some of the characters we're around every week is insane. When you stop and you look back, it's like we live in a cartoon, essentially.
1: Without question. It,
0: it, who, who are some of the people? And I know people are going to gravitate towards Chase, but you've been here for how many years now?
1: Uh, I'm in my 15th year. Really? Full time. Yeah, yeah, I was there for because that two thousand was out. there for well, I was there for the two thousand five finals with the PBR mm-hmm. and I did even wasn't even though it wasn't a PBR event, I did another I think it was the Des Moines Fairgrounds in two thousand five. That's when I worked with G Man with oh, Michael really? Gaffney for the first time. It was hilarious. Really? Yeah. And Leah Garcia. Gaffney's, I mean,
0: Gaffney's an awesome um,
1: guy. Without question.
0: Um, my first PBR I ever did was January 2007, and I won't dive too much into the story. Um, Statue of Limitations should be over, but whatever. <laughs> um, my first night, On the PBR tour, after the event, I was with Michael Gaffney and Tater Porter. And you got to remember, like, I'm a guy that's just been watching this on TV. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, uh, yeah, heck yeah, I'm going with these guys. And we walked into a place that I've never felt more uncomfortable in my entire life. So they just kind of took me under their wing Mm -hmm. and was like, (laughs) it was a big joke to them. And they won't even remember it now. But um, it was one of those experiences, like, I'll never really talk about. But for me, it's fun because I got to hang with two of my heroes. Well,
1: Yeah, and I mean, you started to ask me a question about the characters that we're around. I think that's why the PBR is so relatable to a lot of people. I mean, look, whether you want to call it be cowboy or whether you want to call it just Mm -hmm. being an upstanding individual or, you know, we're lucky to work with, for the most part, people who are completely committed to making this sport bigger and better, but who are also, let's just talk about, right, the writers for a second, Mm -hmm. I mean, they are professional athletes yeah. at, at the top of their game. And, and I find, um, I, I mean, you know this. I don't know if your listeners do, but, you know, I've covered over 60 different sports. I mean, I've, you know, might not have, co- I may not have covered, you know, the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball, but I've covered a lot of other ones. And right. athletes are athletes, as you know. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're at your local gym or I'm covering drone racing.
0: Well, I want to talk about that because you, you started as an athlete. And and I think a lot of PBR fans don't know that. I I, I Honestly, I think still to this day, as crazy it is, as it is, they see Craig Hummer and they think, oh, he's just a TV guy. Mm-hmm. That all of your roots were in TV, but that's not really necessarily the case. How'd you get into
1: TV? Uh, I got into TV and I've told this story before, but it would be great for anybody listening out there that simply has a dream. Because when I was a professional athlete in this random sport called Ocean Ironman racing, which is basically like triathlon, but it's four disciplines. It's swimming, running, kayaking, which is called surf skiing in my world. So the difference between a kayak and a surf ski is that a kayak, you sit inside Mm -hmm. on the ones we raced in you're on top. So it's just a molded seat with molded footwells. And you, you know, you press on a rudder or excuse me, you press on pedals that steer a rudder, but these things are 18 feet long and they're as wide as an ironing board. So, like,
0: how long are we talking? Like, how long, how much running, how much...
1: So, every race would be different. So, when I raced professionally down in Australia, it was part of something called the Uncle Toby's Series, which Uncle Toby's is like a breakfast company like Kellogg's. Gotcha. So from 1990 until 1995, I went down to Australia for four to five months out a year. And our professional racing series was usually seven or eight events that were televised live that would range in any, anywhere from two to four hours long. And the races would be combined so that they tried to give everybody an advantage, right? Rather than let's say triathlon. It's one of the reasons why I was always asked, why didn't you do triathlons? Well, I was a swimmer growing up. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, swimmers are at a disadvantage in standard triathlons, no matter the distance, right? Because it's always swim, bike, run. Okay. So if you follow the triathlon right. world, right, it's more often than not won by great runners or, or great athletes who can emphasize the run at the end of a race. They can make up ground at the end. Exactly. So okay. as a swimmer... I mean, I was fine at the other stuff, but right. I was just like, well, that's my strongest leg. Mm-hmm. Why would I always want to race that way? The cool thing about what I did, sometimes you draw it out of a hat. Other times really? they choose beforehand. Yeah. So oh, the, that's so cool. the, So the races that I did on an amateur level in the United States, that's what you did. Like you showed up and in a minute before the race started, they, you'd pull a tongue depressor out and one said swim, one said ski, one said board. And however you pulled that out in that order, that was the order of the race that day.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, so, I didn't know that, and I like that. I just I just liked the I don't want to say ambiguity of it, but I liked the ability to stay adaptable, so that you could you know. And look, another conversation, right, that you and I have all have had, and back to Ryan Holiday and you know modern day mm-hmm. stoicism. Um, it's all about adaptability, right. not just outlook, but also being adaptable to anything. Being versatile.
0: Yeah. And being able to exactly. mold yourself to... I want to talk more about that specifically, yeah. but I want to go back. Okay, we talked about your professional athlete career, and you stumbled into the TV world, correct?
1: Well, right. So, yeah. So, sorry. I got long-winded, but let me try to we, wrap this, this, this up. This is going to be an eight-hour right. podcast yeah, between no, the I, two of us. I know. Nobody's going to listen. The I, I want the same way. I want at least for my mom and my two <laughs> sisters to say, what? You're on a podcast? And then tune in. Yeah. But, uh, but so... I was at a race that I did every year in Hawaii. A guy named Tom Kiley, who at the time was running a company named Event Marketing. Um, They are the company that invented Xterra. So any of your fans out there that know about right off-road triathlon, they'll immediately know who I'm talking about. Um, I had just finished a weekend of doing my lifeguard racing, and I walked up to him, no joke, on a Sunday morning. And I said, hey, you know, and in this one, I was 30 years old. So believe it or not, we're talking 25 years ago. Because I'm a a few days away from turning 55. Less than a week. Yeah. Okay. I know. So happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, So I walked up to him, simply said, Look, I'm trying to think about the next phase in my life. I don't know whether it's going to be sports marketing, sports broadcasting, who knows what. But I know you put on events. I know you do TV shows. If you ever have something that you think I might work or be applicable for let me know and so he sort of listened and he said all right thank you very much i kid, kid you, you i, I kid you listened at that i at did moment. Okay. i did because okay. he, because that's another thing we can talk about being a good listener right. you and i know there's a big right. difference in that right so he listened five minutes later he walked over to me. I was just standing on Waikiki Beach. He walked over to me. He handed me a microphone. He said, I want you to go interview the winner of the Waikiki Rough Water Swim, which at the time was the largest open ocean swim. Now, it's since become an Olympic sport and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. But at that time, people came from all over the world, still do, to do, to do this race. And he goes, if you do well, I'll keep you here, all expenses paid, and I'll have you host my show for the Diamond Head Biathlon for ESPN next week. Really? And that's how I got my Just start. Just that quick? That quick.
0: Isn't that, isn't that crazy? But some people are so scared to... To go and say, hey, guys, this is what Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. This is what we see in our industry all the time. Um, And I think that now we're starting to turn a page in a a corner where guys are starting to look for the future. But I think a lot of athletes just go through their career and they think, well, I'm going to play football forever. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, now you start to realize, even myself, I start to realize, hey, there's going to come a point where... I've got to do something different, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, for example, the gym, you know, now I know my gym's going to be there, Yeah. you know, we've started setting up these other, other things, but I want to go back now and talk because you mentioned the versatility and being able to do other things. I'll never forget. And I don't think I've ever even talked to you about this. uh, When I first started doing ride pass, it was totally different for me to be on camera. Mm -hmm. And they had said, we want you to be kind of the face of this network, yada, yada, yada. You're going to come in you'll work with a bull rider. You'll do it like Hummer does TV. It'll be fine. So I've prepared myself mentally, you know, and I've studied you for years. <laughs> and I, um so I can I can I think I can navigate a broadcast. I think I can set up the correct questions. I think I can, you know, lead somebody into the storylines that we want to tell. And I get there that first night and they're like, Okay, so Hummer's gonna be the lead guy and I think it was maybe J Dub. I don't it's it's all a blur to <laughs> it's me. It's all a
1: blur but it's like, okay, still it, it all a blur to me, by it the way. Really, yeah, <laughs> it
0: really is. But it's like, okay, Hummer Hummer's gonna do this and then J Dub's gonna do this and Matt, you know, um, you'll be in there too. And I'm like, What the hell just happened? So like I've mentally prepared myself to step into this role, which right. you're going to do. I can't be an analyst cuz we've got, you know, a, a bull rider here. What am I going to do? And so I like I quickly had to figure out where the hell am I going to fall into this? And it was almost it was so good for me cuz I I felt like I had to kind of build a different character mm-hmm. and and play, you know, I'm obviously not the smartest guy in the booth. I'm obviously not the guy driving the boat. So where do I fit into this? And so it was a good learning experience mm-hmm. for me. And I learned I learned more than you'll ever know just by Standing there next to you and watching the things that you do. Who did you I mean, did you have somebody where you you looked at and you started learning from?
1: Trial and error. I really didn't. It was, you know, I I, again back to the story I told you about how I got started. I was very lucky, and I hope this doesn't sound too egotistical, but I was a very successful athlete. Mm -hmm. So I got interviewed a lot. And so I was lucky that in my brain, it wasn't a hard transition to flip the script, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of being the guy that answered the questions, yep. turning it, turning into the guy that asked the questions. And so that was not on any level hard for me. Right. Now, the other things, right, that you and I know have to happen in terms of whether it's the preparation or, the, the, again, back to that keyword adaptability of a live performance, mm-hmm. which, you know, in your role, you know, whether it was on RidePass or will continue to be on ride pass, or as the in-arena announcer, I mean, right. it's all about adaptability. I mean, you are reacting, right? You do your best to plan, mm-hmm. but then after that, you better have your, you know, P's and Q's in a row because there's no, there's no script. Net. Exactly. Well, the safety net, as you and I both know, and I will give you a huge compliment, is when we worked together, you were part of my safety net. I I knew I could say anything. If I, if you saw me glance at you a certain way, or you saw me scrambling, to, you know, like look up a stat or whatever, you knew you were going to, you know, once yeah. I stopped talking, you were going to pick something up and you were ready to go. Um, Clearly, I think that comes across on the CBS broadcast with Mm -hmm. everybody that that I work with there. I mean, and especially with Justin, you know, that that's something I I love, Ty. I love JW, but I think everybody can tell there's a certain chemistry between me and Mac that it it just is. McBride
0: brings a different energy. Yeah. He he brings such a positive energy and and you can take him anywhere. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day and we were talking about, well, how do you fill breaks? Well, I mean... I do that in, in my I prep different than a lot of people do because a lot of my preparation is just hanging out with the guys mm-hmm. and learning learning about them, learning mm-hmm. their quirks, learning their stories behind the scenes mm-hmm. so that I know once we start down a story and you'll be able to, you know, uh, agree with me here, I think. Once you start down a story, there's a good chance somebody pops in your ear and says, "Hey, we got 3 more minutes to fill." Mm-hmm. But that 3 minutes isn't in the, you know, the timeline. Right. So what branch of this tree do we jump off on and chase? And and a lot of people don't realize that. There's so many stories within stories, especially in this world.
1: Well, and I'll add to what you just said because you mentioned branch. Um, We also have to be able to decide is that branch going to support X, Y, Z, right? Because you're a pretty big guy. Yeah.
0: And I've, I've been <laughs> you, on some of those get, branches that broke. Me,
1: you get me and you out on a willow branch, we're, we're dropping all the way to the ground. But you know, if that, if that yeah. story is a sturdy oak, yeah. we're, we're I've, totally good. I've started down
0: some <laughs> that everybody looked and went, what the hell are you even talking about? Apparently, I'm the only one got that.
1: Uh, so about- hey, let me ask you a question. Okay. Did you ever study improv? Did you ever find improv interesting?
0: Uh, yeah, Absolutely. So um, both were
1: or- both both. Okay, I talked not, and
0: I'm not like studying it like I would, you know, bull riding or anything like that. I feel like I've spent my whole life studying everything that I've watched. When I look back now. You know, we're, we're lazy. I, I grew up coming here as a kid. No kidding. And I constantly had Clint McSpadden, uh, you know, Hall of Fame rodeo okay. announcer's voice burned into my okay. head. My childhood was watching wrestling. And, and I hear things in my brain, like Jim Ross, like Gordon mm-hmm. Soli different wrestling broadcasters, how they were calling, because I love storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, my great-grandpa would listen to the Cardinals baseball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I Jack Buck. I listened to his voice constantly, and it was like all these storytellers that I I wasn't really, I didn't know Mm -hmm. I was learning, Mm -hmm. but essentially I was. Uh, Same thing with comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a lot of just, when I got to college, I had a speech class. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really that great that semester, and so I would get there and they'd go, okay, today we're going to give our speeches on this, and I'd go, oh shit, they told me this two weeks ago. And I just would forget, and so I'd have to make it up. And so I did a little bit of extemporaneous speaking in high school and stuff. Um, I didn't realize that I was studying or preparing for anything in the future. You?
1: Well, and the reason I ask about improv is I don't want to call it a regret, but I often wonder, had I been exposed to anything like that throughout my life, it it would have only benefited me. Because I think both of our roles— might not be comedic improv, but it is absolutely improv. It's sports improv, right? I mean, in broadcasting or in arena announcing or podcasting, that's what that is, right? And and it's not for everybody, as we both know. And it's sometimes learned, but I also think there's a part of back to whether it's just you and your and my personalities or people who are like us, Mm -hmm. people who gravitate to these sort of things. It's a skill, I mean, and it is yeah. a skill that you have to actively cultivate.
0: Yeah, it's it's like like comedians talk about improv all the time. We're just doing the same thing on a serious note. Yeah, you have to have so many gun or so many bullets in the gun that you can just keep firing off. And that's one thing that's always impressed me about you, and especially about you and Kate, because you guys are so well prepared. Um, and I think people underestimate or don't realize. How prepared you are for a broadcast and, and half the stuff you might not ever use, but, right. but you have immersed yourself into the sport. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I kind of grew up around it a little bit, um, you know, I'm sure, like you, I grew up in FFA and an ag kid with livestock all around me and stuff. No, not the no, case.
1: Nope. You're, you're, no. you know, I know what you're saying, but it was not my childhood. <laughs> I grew up heavily chlorinated in a swimming pool, and you know, let people judge whether my brain was eaten away by those chemicals or not. So,
0: so where di- where did you grow up?
1: Where Ohio, did you- just in Ohio, Ohio, basically around Columbus, Ohio. And at go what, Bucks.
0: At what point did you move to to California?
1: The day after I graduated from college, which, again, dating myself, 1987. So I'm about, I'm already a year, it's been 33 years since I moved to California.
0: Something else we have in common, I just realized, you graduated from college. I went to a handful of colleges. Okay, we'll (laughs) leave it there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What was your degree? History. Really?
1: Yep, history major. So, you nothing would, having to do with broadcasting, nothing right. having to do with journalism. So,
0: did you want to be a teacher? Or, or
1: No, I just was interested in history. So, back to, you know, what you have hinted at, which is, you know, staying curious, being a student, right. learning. I mean, that that to me is huge. I mean, I, I hope every day of my life I'm eager to, whether it's read something or hear mm-hmm. something or be exposed to something. If you don't learn something day. you've wasted me, it. That makes me... That either moves me or somehow makes me a better person. Yep. I, always, I mean, right?
0: Always in this podcast with every day's an opportunity to Wait, be so better. Wait, so we're done? No, 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 no. Uh,
1: but but, but you I told it longer. Say, I always
0: say, <laughs> that's what she's. uh I always say, you know, every day is an opportunity to be better. And if you're not using this day to be better than you were yesterday, and even if that's learning one little thing, even if it's adding one word to your vocabulary, anything, I feel like you've wasted a day.
1: Even it's just being positive. Absolutely. So some days, yep. some days it's not about learning anything yep. other than learning something about yourself. Yeah,
0: I've done a lot of Instagram lives during this whole quarantine thing, and it's like it's a constant reminder of, I like I, I have this challenge that I, I try to make to all my friends and everybody watching that before your feet hit the floor, find a reason to smile, mm-hmm. because even it's even if it's as simple as my eyes opened and I can see today. Because not everybody has that. Not everybody can feel that feeling. So find a reason to smile before your feet hit the floor, and then everything else is just an added success. You've already made the day a success. Everything else is just icing on the
1: cake. Well, and those words certainly ring very true at this time in our Absolutely. history, right? Yep. Because uh, there are a lot of people who could only wish to be sitting here like we are laughing about right. stuff because there are a lot of people, as we both know, hurting out there. So. Right. um
0: You moved to California for sport?
1: I moved to California for a lifestyle. I was the sort of kid, another story I've told before, but it'll give you that little window into my soul where you'll never, when you see the sun shining, you'll never have to ask ever again why I'm smiling. Um, before they knew about whatever is called sad, you know, the the supposed condition where if you don't see the sun, you're depressed. Right, yeah. uh, that's me. Yeah. So basically I grew up in Ohio where, you know, you get the heat and humidity during the summer, you get the ridiculous cold in the winter, and then you get these, fringe gray months, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just dreary. Yeah. And so I can remember one New Year's Day looking out the window, it was gray, it was sleeting, it was just horrible. I was probably who who knows how old I was, but I was young, right? It was an impression. And I look out the window, I see I see how horrible it is outside. I look at the television, and the Rose Bowl is on. Mm. And I see the blue sky of Pasadena and the green grass of the Rose Bowl. And it was probably, right, the USC Trojans versus whomever, right, back right. in the 70s, right? And the uniforms and the cheerleaders. And I'm, I look at the TV. And then I look in the kitchen and I see my parents. And I'm not sure I knew swear words at the time. <laughs> but if I did, there would have been a lot of F-bombs. And I remember thinking, I am leaving and going there as soon as I can. And no joke, the day after I graduated from college, I was on a plane, I had already flown out Three months earlier to take the L.A. County lifeguard test, speaking of Baywatch, right Right. before Baywatch existed, my wife, girlfriend at the time, paid for my ticket to go out and take this test. I won the swim, became the top lifeguard that year and became an L.A. County Ocean lifeguard as my first real job because I wanted a summer job because I thought I was going to go into advertising. Really? That was my whole thing. I was like, thought I was going to be the latest, greatest ad, either exec or, you know, account executive or creative guy, whatever. And it just so happened that 1987 was like the first major downturn in the boom of the 80s advertising industry. And I got one job offer. And it was after six months of interviewing. So it was in the spring of 88. It was for $14,000 to be like a, a year? junior, uh huh, to be a junior like media buyer or whatever. And I said, well, I'd like to think about it. And so that afternoon, I got a call to replace an athlete on the US lifeguard team going to Australia. In two weeks. And basically, I had always wanted to go to Australia. Mm -hmm. I was pretty confident that I could find another $14,000 a year (laughs) job. And it was all expenses paid for a month in Australia. So the trip probably cost more than what i was going to make in a year and thankfully i made the right decision you get to see the world yeah and i went to australia and you know that was this was after i'd spent that summer as a lifeguard and had gone to hawaii and raced and won a national championship so you know i i I had already been exposed to it but it was it was you know look we've all had these moments in our life where you can call it fate you can call it happenstance you can call it you know timing whatever you want you want to call it but these were little signs that were pushing me in the direction I was supposed to, supposed to go.
0: I always thought as a kid, like I wanted. I grew up in northeast Oklahoma. I always wanted out of here. I wanted to get out so bad. I wanted to go. I wanted to do this. Get here, there. And the older I got, the more like you could not get me away from home. Like well, I'll never leave Oklahoma. But I, I say that because I want to ask: Did you ever look at, in the mirror and go? maybe moving to California wasn't the best idea or did you ever think I need to go back to Ohio no
1: good never there was never one ounce of hesitation now I'm not going to say it wasn't hard right. um, my wife grew up uh, and her family still is on the east coast Boston mainly but I think you know you know we get we're lucky enough to spend a couple months a year in Maine and we didn't know anybody I and, mean and she you said, pop, wait, you're talking about you and your family and, yeah, you have a place yeah, my Maine wife too. yes yes and so um You know, my wife, Jennifer, and I, I mean, when we moved out to California, she was a few weeks behind me, but it was it. I mean, it wasn't Lewis and Clark. It wasn't, you know, on that level, but we were alone. And so we have built everything that we have in California, including our great three daughters. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's on us. Talk about Jennifer. She's an author. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Multiple books. Okay. Yeah.
0: I'm going to have to get her on here and talk about it, because you, you, you certainly aren't going to dive too much into it. I'm just kidding. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You mean dive dive too much into what she's written, or, right, the, yeah, or, yeah, the, or yeah, the book yeah, that yeah. I wrote? Yeah. You wrote a book? Uh, yeah.
0: Is, oh, the, is that why your agent got a hold of me, to bring you on here to promote
1: it? Uh, uh, maybe. I Wait, don't know. Wait. Did I not somebody, know this? Somebody, I, maybe not. Uh, I actually, I mean, I'm sorry, because this is going to be very much... Braggadocious, but um, Jennifer just informed me that I got another residual check from a book that was published five years ago. So really, so I yeah, I wrote a New York Times co-authored best-selling book. It was the basically the biography of George Hincapie, who was the guy that helped Lance Armstrong win all of his Tour de France titles, and you know. Certain people have very strong opinions about Lance and that era of cycling and all that stuff. But yeah, it's another, I mean, I don't know if it's appropriate to get into it here, but it's another example of putting forth What you want to have happen, not just in your own brain, but to the universe, right? So I, George's brother, Rich, who has always been his business manager Mm -hmm. and, and their whole family is originally from Columbia. They're a very close knit family. I, during one of the nine Tour de France's that I covered, just saw Rich in a random european town after one of the stages had finished and i said hey um has george ever thought about you know writing his story and rich said yeah you know we've thought about it and i at the time said look if you ever you know if you ever consider authors i would love to write not just his story but i said i know i'm going to write a book eventually so if you'd like to you know consider me please do Five years later, an editor from the New York Times is at a cocktail party with Rich and George, and they said, hey, you know, you guys should really write a book together. And Rich, to his credit, was like, well, if we're going to write a book, the first person you have to call is Craig Hummer.
0: Real? Okay, so now I'm fascinated because we've never had this conversation. <laughs> okay. I've always wanted to write a book. Then you should. I, matter of fact, when I everybody says, "Well, did you go into broadcasting? Is that what you wanted to do?" Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Right. I was terrified to speak in front of people. I hated crowds, but I always used to love to write. Like. I would write papers for my friends, you know, in wow. school. I just loved
1: it. And you know, you can get in trouble for that.
0: Yeah, not now. Statue of limitation. <laughs> um, hell, I didn't graduate
1: college. Well, it what were um, the grades that you got them? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I promise you there's people doing worse things in okay. college Fair, yeah. than writing papers. You know what? Papers. You are
1: absolutely right. <laughs> Moving on. Next point.
0: <laughs> um, but I love to write. I still, and I thought cool. that's what I was going to do the rest of my life. Okay. I was going to be a horse judge, and I would write, maybe get into some radio, but... Um, so yeah, that fascinates me that, that you, what's the name of the book? It's called The Loyal Lieutenant.
1: You can the start loyal lieutenant. May. lieutenant She's my you, my assistant oh, over right. here. She's yeah, on Megan, it. well, you deaf you definitely um, needed an assistant. I you know, I've me, seen you in you I've seen you in full full action,
0: bro. I need an assistant. <laughs> I basically I need a leader, uh somebody to put You me need
1: somebody leash. just to carry your like supplements and your snacks, bro. You need you need you we know, were talking it's hard mainta- it's gotta be hard maintaining that physique.
0: It's it's funny because we actually probably live in a very slim minority in this world of guys <laughs> that aren't scared to travel with a yoga mat or or grind a gym. Exactly. Every time I say something about, we're going to go to this town, oh, yeah, there's a gym there that I want to go to, and everybody that I kind of hang out with, they make fun of me. Of course. Um, Because they're obviously not super into fitness, Mm -hmm. and I love it. So, like, we live in a different world where it's almost like, I don't want to say look down on, but I've got some friends that, like, kind of like to tongue-in-cheek poke fun. Well, it's just look.
1: It's just They're jealousy. fat asses yeah, exactly. it's okay. <laughs> it's all right yeah it's good being you. I'm uh, happy being me. It's all you know what right? You're, haters haters gonna hate
0: let's let's talk though like what do you, what all do you do? You still run, you bike, swim. so What's so your
1: let's just say everything right in wor- in the world was still open. I, I I got back into swimming. I took a break from swimming for about five years where I didn't get in a pool at all. but yeah, for the past few years, I, I alternate between cycling and yoga and swimming. And still, you know, it's why I always ask you for advice. I'm just not a gym guy. I mean, I do, I used to do a lot of just body weight work, Mm -hmm. but you know, also being on the road, I mean, I give you a lot of credit because, and Megan, you guys both, you do actively find gyms. I went through that phase and not to sound like an old geezer, but maybe it really is my age, but about, I don't know, about seven or eight years ago, maybe less, maybe five years ago, I stopped pushing that part of my life i just knew i had a finite amount of energy when i was on the road and as you clearly live on your side of this pbr equation um while we have a lot of fun doing our broadcasts and while i would not want to do anything else it gets tiring i mean it doesn't get tiring like digging ditch tiring but it gets tiring so i just made a very conscious decision when i now am on the road i don't really work out anymore
0: People underestimate the amount of energy you utilize on a broadcast because if you have done it right, and I know a lot of people that are, are in this field, a lot of people that announce like I do, they get done with the show, and then they're good to go drink beer all night. They're good to get up in the day, do whatever, but I also notice a difference in when I'm done with a show, about 30 minutes after a show, I'm drained, and I think uh-huh. you should be. You you should be physically, I don't want to say exhausted. But people say, oh, you just talk for a living. Bullshit.
1: So here's a personal question. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you to come down after a broadcast? I think it
0: depends. I think it depends on what I've done during the day. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like, and Megan can tell you. So like, when I'm in Vegas during the NFR, it takes me a couple hours. Yeah. You know, I, if I'm hosting this party and I'm up on stage and, and everybody is super high energy around me, mm-hmm. I can take myself out of the equation and it still could take me a couple hours to come down. Um, a normal night like this, if I can get away from the crowd very quickly, I can get, you know, ease back in an hour or so. Yeah. But it, it's not easy.
1: You No, uh, I'm minimum two hours. Like after that, so, so when our, you know, right, if we're on a Friday night or a Saturday night Mm -hmm. live broadcast and it ends at 1030, I'm not even, my heart rate isn't coming down until when I say,
0: when I say hour, I'm talking like when I get back to the hotel, shut the door and I'm alone by myself.
1: Yeah. 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 So yeah, you know, you know, I understand that. And that's, you're right. I think that's something that people just only see, oh, that's so cool. You know, yeah. either you are in the arena or I'm on TV or whatever, but that's back to this sort of energy meter mm-hmm. that we both have. You, Yeah, you can't, I mean, you can't burn that candle at both right. ends because that absolutely will catch up with us. And I think that's another place where you and I or other people who are a little bit more, Athletically inclined, we know our bodies mm-hmm. perhaps okay. better. So, so we we read the subtlety, you know, hourly, yeah. right? I mean, absolutely. I, I'm sure you're absolutely. the same as me. Like, I I, I know. Kind of guess my weight, you
0: know, within a pound when I wake <laughs> up. Like, like I'm I mean, seriously like within a pound. It could be a carny when I. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's backup plan, man. Backup plan. It's all going to end someday. I swear, I can see you now selling those weird looking clowns. But,
0: but you, know, <laughs> you, but you know, I mean, you just start to learn your body yeah. and know what you can handle and what you can't. Handle. Yeah. Um. So, was there anything that like you? Uh, now I'm I'm going to start chasing rabbits because I'm so intrigued by the the author thing. Was there anything that you look back in life and you're like, this is what I wanted to do, and I haven't done it yet.
1: That's a great question. Um, Yeah, I think I think within television, there there are some things. I mean, as much as I love the PBR, I'd I'd love an opportunity to call an NFL game. You know, I mean, that would probably be the first sport that if I had to pick somewhere else to go. I mean, because I'm just I'm just a fan, right? Or or a college football game. You know, again, I mentioned the Buckeyes earlier. You know, both my parents went to Ohio State. I you know I grew up in a scarlet and gray household, and I'm still you know right. Uh, Don't bring up the Clemson game. See, you know what I mean? I mean sorry, but same. it's like but yeah, I mean it, but but that's also why our fans, if we're going to talk to the PBR listeners out there, it's not the exact same, but it's the same passion they feel for JB Mooney or for Cooper Davis or for Chase Outlaw because it's our job to tell those stories that complement the writing that is the obvious thing to love. The, the guys I just mentioned, right. but then the nuanced reasons to love them—that's our job. So,
0: is that your favorite sport outside of bull riding? I'm, I'm not going to put that on you, but like, is football
1: your go-to? Probably or cycling.
0: Uh, do you watch? Foot- do you watch a lot of cycling? No.
1: Okay. Not at all. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, look. The, uh, I think you know this. Maybe your listeners don't. I covered five different Olympic games. Covered the Tour de France for nine years. I mean, mm-hmm. I've covered so many sports that aren't stick and ball sports, but I like to refer to them as passion sports, mm-hmm. right? So uh, cycling falls into that passion sport category. Um, because I came from being a passion sport athlete, I'd much rather be out doing something right. than watching something. But football, because never in a million years, I will tell you a funny football story though, middle school, I thought I was going to be the next greatest, you know, wide receiver to come out really? of my, my middle school in Ohio. I'll tell um, where are you? Well, that's, I've told you, right? My first driver's License said 5'4, 110 pounds. 5'4,
0: white kid from Ohio. Yeah. yeah they yeah. sign
1: them to the league every day. You know, you know how nope. you said you can hear announcers in your head saying yeah. things? I could hear yeah. Keith Jackson saying, <laughs> and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Craig Umer. That's right? awesome. So, no, so I I trot out, you know, middle school, right? I mean, what do you know? The, the, the like trainer, as you run through the locker room, hands you the pads yeah. and the helmet. And I think maybe I only got a helmet and I go running on the field and everybody else is getting, you know, parceled off into whatever. And I'm not, I mean, literally, this is like out of the movie Rudy or something. And, and like, I'm the last guy in line and the coach looks at me and he goes, nope, sorry, son. And he points back to the locker room and that was it. I mean, that was was it. career crushed dream right there
0: i kind of want you to tell
1: everybody that coach's
0: name because he sounds like a real I asshole have, i
1: have since forgotten right my memory isn't so good anymore oh my might be gosh. the red wine that's
0: hilarious
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so that's- so that that was an abrupt ending to my dreams of you know football stardom
0: but you took it and, and okay it's well, part of else? life you chalk it up yeah. like you're not dwelling on it now as you get ready to turn for, thank god um uh, <laughs> But if that happened in today's society, they would have that guy. Oh, boy. Oh my God! Right, they don't
1: get either of us started oh. on on stuff like that. I
0: should be way older than I am. Sports,
1: yeah. Um, well, I can, you know, I can fudge a birth certificate <laughs> for you. How much older you want to be? Uh, no, I know gonna, people. Trust me, I know I get Older every day, and I'm
0: <laughs> I'm hating it. Um, Tour de France, the Olympics. You did some MMA stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did er, you do WEC on. too? I did WEC. I did. You. Uh, I want to say it's. And again, you can look this right, up. Right, I think right. it was UFC 52. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at mohegan sun and yeah that i i'm not sure i want to tell it for all your viewers right, right, right. to know but there was a story surrounding that that could have been very life changing yeah and it didn't happen but yeah and Isn't i've had a weird? few i've had a few of those Isn't you know look weird? everybody has those it yeah. just seems like when you're in positions like you and i are it becomes a little bit more notable. I think that
0: someday when this is all over, I think that the the uh, story of Craig Hummer would be very interesting. Maybe like, you seriously write the book. Seriously, no. <laughs> you want to write the book? <laughs> I, no, I think you Nobody should write the asked book too. <laughs> Put me on the short list. Um, no, but like I know some of those stories and I know some of the ups and downs and and. To me, that's interesting. And I think that a lot of the world doesn't see those things. They, well, they just see what happens right in front of them.
1: And I think, well, certainly I agree with you. Not just about me, but I'd say that about you, right? right. Or Megan, who's 100%. sitting here. Or or anybody. I mean, people, it's easy to state and to see the obvious, mm-hmm. but it's never just that. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. We, we all know that. Again, to, to bring it back to some of the things we've talked about with, with the author Ryan Holiday. I mean, it, it's you just need to be clear about yourself first and foremost. And then that allows you to hopefully be clear and have a clear perspective if you wanna help others or you wanna go down a certain path or right, you wanna work towards making a life change. I mean, I I was thinking about this uh, the other night. I mean, everybody wants to celebrate the big achievements Mm -hmm. or certainly the big success stories But anybody who studied those knows that anything starts with the smallest of steps or the smallest of decisions or, and so that's back to what I try to do every day is I try to, figure out what are the smallest steps I can do to set myself up either for success or for happiness or right. for financial gain, right? Or, and, I mean, you know, and by the, by the end of the day, if you've done that enough or by the end of a week or by the end of a month, right, you've actually made progress from where you were, but, right. but you're not just going to leap there that just doesn't happen.
0: I preach it in my gym all the time. I'm not always the best at acting on it, but I preach it all the time. Right. I'm a big fan and I'm a big believer in small victories. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you might want to get to X amount, but how do you get there? Well, yeah, I and I tell the, I've told the story a couple of times. I had a kid that weighed 145, he wanted to get to 165. Mm-hmm. I said, "Let's shoot for 150." He said, "Nope, I want to go to 165." I said, "Let's shoot for 150." Nope, want to go to 165. The third time I said let's go to 150, he said no. And I said, "What's closer to 165? 145 or 150?" And he looked at me and he went, "Oh, I hate you." And I was like, "But I'm right." And when we get to 150, then we'll take we'll start that next goal, but it's like small victories. I know. You know, I overlook a lot of them. Uh,
1: well, exactly. Look, you and I are talking and and you we each know each other well enough to know right. we're not sitting here preaching right. and saying we got the answers. We're, you know, <laughs> we're, we haven't written the book that says miracle. I've this is how playable. you do it. I just don't know. Well, how to well right, all the because because. At the end of the day, that's everybody's hardest struggle is to motivate themselves. But hopefully you're smart enough to find whether it's you and your gym or this author I keep mentioning, Ryan Holiday, or perhaps maybe someday someone will say about me, God, I, you know, listened to that podcast or I heard him, you know, talk or wherever. And that motivated me, right? Right. That showed that there was a path. And that's, you know, again, I mean, it doesn't have to be my story. It's a lot of people's stories. Look, I, I mean,
0: said it this week that you motivate me. And, you know, the first day we were or last week, the first day we were here and we started talking, what else is there to do? What else can we do to, you know, continue to build this sport, to continue to do things, to challenge ourselves professionally? And I, I left here going, okay. And my brain just starts spinning. Mm-hmm. Like, what can we do? What can we do? What else is there? And to me, that's motivating. When somebody puts something in front of me that can challenge me to find a new way to do things, then I'm in. Yeah. And and it's little things like that. So you, you motivated me, Craig.
1: Well, thanks. You motivate me, too. This <laughs> turned into a love fest. This is awesome. <laughs> but is but but it's good, and I it think, is good. look, we've talked about how people are struggling um not just now, but I mean, there are right. people who aren't as lucky as us in terms of either our backgrounds our our thought processes, or perhaps our our optimism mm-hmm. but but yes, that motivation can come from anywhere right. and and I heck, it could be a song that I listen to, yeah. right that puts me in a certain mood, then all of a sudden I'm thinking a certain way, and then that allows me to be open to right something else and sometimes it is like when we right. had the discussion you're talking about if you're in the right place at the right time accept that that's actually happening mm-hmm. don't is, just right again, which is sometimes hard yep yeah
0: not easy i want to bring it back to the pbr okay who's the most interesting person that you've been around in this world or people because like i i immediately i i think of characters that mm-hmm. 25 years from now i'm going to go holy crap, I can't believe like I just spent time around that guy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think there's people in, in my life right now that I think are going to go down as as people that are still looked at 25 years from now.
1: Um, well, the first guy that comes to mind is JB. I mean, yeah. because you and I both know, you cannot argue with not just his greatness, but his approach to have gotten to where he is, right? I mean, he's in the midst And you and I have to answer questions about all the time, right? He's in the midst of a dry spell and a perhaps period that he wishes he was not in, but it's because he was at the mountaintop doing it the way he wanted to do it for so long. And it's the reason why I think... In my time that I've been here, because remember, I came in at the end of Shivers, mm-hmm. right? At the end of JW, in the middle of McBride, you know, um, but to, now to transition very quickly, he, he's, a, Justin's another guy. I mean, Justin McBride to me is one of the most complete humans Agreed. I have ever met. Agreed. I mean, you've mentioned a couple times that fans might not know XYZ about me. I don't think fans know how intelligent Justin McBride is? Agreed. Agreed. It, it, it's and incredible. How much he cares,
0: right? How much he uh, yeah, cares about absolutely. every person that comes through the yeah. door. Because I've heard this story a lot. You know, when he was in his prime, people would say, "Oh, he's you know he's kind of eh, whatever, doesn't have time." It could not be further from the truth. Yeah. He always yeah. has time for people. Yeah.
1: Um, and and you know, look, I, I could start rattling off names and giving you a lot of reasons, but as you joked earlier, this isn't an eight out eight hour podcast. Okay. But but I truly. Here at the PBR, so appreciate every single rider that has crossed my path, mm-hmm. whether they're a world champion or they're somebody that only got one qualified ride in their career, right? Because this is the, the top level yep. of this sport in the world, yep. right? And we preach it week in and week out, but at the core of my being, it's one of the reasons why I love my job, You know, whether it's bull riding or it's a whatever, fill in the blank sport. I'm around the greatest, right? The greats yeah. and the greatest athletes of that sport. And so there are so many common denominators. There might be different paths in how they got to that level of greatness, mm-hmm. but there are so many common denominators that back to my athletic career, even though they might not know I was an athlete, I get it, I connect to it, and it it fuels me. I mean, it really does. It it makes me eager to come to work. It makes me, um, an overused word, but right, it makes me passionate about these telecasts in my part in getting all this right there's another story that i don't know if, if you have ever heard but you know when i got hired full-time in 2006 i was at the olympics in italy and the guy who was running oln at the time a guy named marty ehrlich called me up and i was in Sestriere. i was at this you know mountain bureau working for mbc sports just idyllic setting right in the italian alps and he goes what do you know about bull riding And I said, and the only thing I knew about bull riding at the time was I actually had been tuning in in 2004 when Adriano and Mike Lee, it came down to that final ride. And they had to switch from being live on NBC to OLN. And at the time, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have the cable package that had OLN. So I had no idea who won. Like, right? I mean, I, really? I, I didn't, yeah. it was just something I was flipping right. through the channels, right? right? And so that was my answer to him. And he goes, well, what would you think about doing it full time? And I said, I'd, I'd love that opportunity, but I'm in Italy right now. And so I flew after a, a f- couple of days of vacation with my wife in Venice. I flew from Venice, Italy to Reno, Nevada for my first PBR event. No kidding. And, and it, it was because I saw an opportunity, number one, but also I was convinced that, you know, this could be an amazing thing to be a part of. And I have never regretted that for one day of my life. That's good.
0: That's good. Now, uh, you came from different worlds, obviously, and, and I'm glad you brought all that up because I've got to only imagine that certain times people didn't really be so welcoming <laughs> i mean yeah. is, is true. that true because yeah like, absolutely. this is this is a hard world to get into yeah. yeah um i can only assume that you had some obstacles to overcome
1: well i mean look I, if if people saying things i mean remember social media wasn't wasn't right. big right. when true. i when i first got this job um it it's only gotten worse, as you and I both know. Social media, I don't see any any more as this great realm of positivity, right. even though we try to convince ourselves that it could be. Um, but look, nobody wants to hear negative comments mm-hmm. about either what they enjoy or what they do for a job, or right. you know, whatever. And, and because I am in the world I'm in, things tend to be a little bit more superficially. Detrimental or demeaning than they are substantive, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. So yeah, it wasn't fun, but but I you know I'm still here. I mean, people, I think.
0: But I, I think the way that you approach how you do what you do uh, helps people. Like want to have you as the voice of their story because you're not very you're not overly critical of, of anybody, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes you'll hear Bill Walton always drove me crazy because it my, Michael Jordan could have had 65 points in in the second yeah. quarter, yeah. And Bill Walton would have still found a way to criticize him, and and, and I don't hear you doing that. I don't hear you putting ne- a lot of negative connotation on there because we under or I, I can speak for me. I understand that if I'm with JW or Justin. It's not for me to be hypercritical. Of course not. Because I'm not an athlete. No. I'm not in that world.
1: No, not at all. But I wanted to finish the 2006 story. So when I first came to the PBR, I asked Randy Bernard, the guy that was mm-hmm. you know running it. Clearly, our fans know who he is, to speak to the whole group of people that first weekend I was there. And I only wanted to speak to them, and I mean this if I were to speak to anybody today. I got up on that dais or whatever behind the podium, and I said, look, guys... You may think of me as not of your kind or this or that or whatever, but the only reason I'm here is to make you look good and to tell the stories to help you be understood and appreciated. I mean, that is my job, and it goes with what you're just saying. I mean, there are other people on our broadcasts, like the Justins and the Ties and the Mm -hmm. JWs. It's their job to be critical. They'd better be critical. They're told to be critical. My job is to pull out those criticisms from those guys or from you, right, when we were working together on Ride Pass or whomever. I mean, I am absolutely, you've said it a couple times, we're, we're storytellers. And that doesn't mean breaking down it means building up. Right, absolutely. I mean, it's, absolutely. So it's pretty obvious to me.
0: I uh, I think it's cool you said that about addressing the entire organization because when they came to me with the Ride Pass idea, there was a select group of guys that I felt were somewhat le- leaders of the locker room. Um, I kind of, in my mind, made them the people that would vote for the entire congregation, if you will. And I I seek those guys out. I went to them, called them, texted them, whatever, and I said, here's... The opportunity that's in front of me, here's what they're telling me the plan is, here's my two options, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. Because I said, I'm telling your story, so do you want me to tell it here to fans in the arena, or do you want me to be here in this position to do it um, and be able to maybe get your personalities out there more? And I went... Wholeheartedly to ask them what mm-hmm. they wanted me to do because it is about their stories mm-hmm. and we and and I have a connection with all those guys absolutely and so it worked out good you yeah. know and it was I got so much respect from those guys which I'm sure you do too because I cared mm-hmm. cared what they thought it wasn't just showing up to do a job yeah so
1: yeah and you know it's funny I mean I, I I'll take your word for it if I have their respect I mean I don't actively absolutely. go out and ask or, right. or or seek that out I mean I think you see me I mean I'm fairly right. confident in how I can best do my job and help best showcase them. That doesn't involve a lot of, you know, glad handing or, you know, needing compliments or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, I would, I'm always open to criticism. So if somebody thinks I'm effing up or there's a better way to do it. Same. Same. Come tell me. <laughs> Same. Because I
0: daily remind people, I don't know what I'm doing. I wasn't in this world. I wasn't trying to get into this right. world. I had no idea right. what I was doing. So I'm still learning on the fly. Hey,
1: it's good we're not doctors. It- <laughs> uh,
0: I don't know if any truer statements have been made on this podcast. Uh, last thing, circle back to the beginning. How the hell did you get on Baywatch? So uh, I... By the way, yeah, okay. Google yeah. it because it's out there floating around somewhere. There, there, right? Hey,
1: listen, the Google. There's a lot out there, <laughs> <laughs> not just on me. I'm saying just in general. Yeah, that's Google right. Google whatever you want. So the the real way I got on Baywatch is the very first season. I forget if it was the it wasn't the Cody character. You'd have to you'd you'd have to pull up the name of whatever it was. But the first year was on NBC. The young character. Was based on my story. Oh, really? The guy who wrote Baywatch is one of my best friends. Wait, and at, what? And at, oh, yeah. And at the time, uh, and his name's Greg Bonin. And at the, and at the time, my story of like coming from the Midwest, mm-hmm. moving out the day after college, winning the lifeguard swim, like all this other stuff. Right? I mean, it it just wasn't that common so he wrote that into the character of one of the characters of the pilot for Baywatch which then the character stayed you know for the first year so that's how I so I because I was technically one of the characters was part of the original screen tests really and clearly that didn't work out but then later on <laughs> go figure right and then and then later I mean, on Hasselhoff's
0: but, way better but listen
1: but then later on I used to get it started as I'd get Brought back as like a featured extra, right? right? Which I think you probably know about the world of a little bit of Hollywood yep. and commercials and residuals Fascinating and all that was me. well, but it was awesome, right? So I was, I got paid a couple hundred bucks for the day, but then you'd get residuals when the show would pay because even though you weren't speaking, so then it you know more and more graduated into when I played quote unquote myself but for legal reasons they had changed my character name to scott hummer that's what which is what you're talking about which people can go find right and it was it was Uh, awesome
0: that is so cool yeah, um, yeah, I, did, I didn't know all that. I'm gonna have now. I'm gonna have to it's go back ended. and watch the beginning. So
1: guess what? So I know I told you in jokingly so uh, about the book. Got right. the you know the residual check. I still get residual checks for Baywatch. Really? And the last one I got, and it's for multiple episodes, but the one of the last ones I got was for seven cents. <laughs> Big time Hollywood! Hey man, party at my house tonight. Look, there's a
0: lot of people wishing they had seven cents. I take Uh, it. Yes, that's another thing. Someday I'm going to be in a movie or a TV show, and I'm going to write a book. Those are two things on the bucket list. I'm just telling you right now, putting it out in the world. That's really cool. Um, man, what else?
1: I don't know. You tell me. I don't. What else would you like to know? I'm an open book. I've kind of. Oh my
0: god! Look at that (laughs) handsome, handsome, your your
1: lovelier assistant. Is showing you a photo right now of me holding a blonde-haired beach dress. You know. Look
0: at that. How old were you in this picture? Mid-20s. Good night. That hair. 30 years ago, bro. That hair looks exactly the same, man. Does it? It does. Close. I mean, relative. Whoa. <laughs> uh.
1: Don't, All right. Don't put that up in your gym. I'm at, using. Nope, I'm using that to promote don't, this don't, podcast. Oh my god, that's
0: the one I'm using wow. to promote this. All podcast. Right.
1: You know, hey. you're not going to get the client. Well, what is it called? The the audience that you want. If that's the photo that you know, <laughs> I don't care. You, you need. Yeah, you need to show. <laughs> uh, but hey, I, listen. Look up the loyal lieutenant because I'm really proud wow. of that. Uh, we didn't. You know, George and I wanted to. You know, he's a very unique man in cycling. Um, and he could have won so many bike races. But he chose to serve not just Lance, but you know, on in cycling, those of your listeners that know about it, you know, it's a it's team oriented sport, right? Yeah. I mean Sure you got the Lance Armstrongs or the whomevers of the world right like uh but it takes a small village to get those guys to the win, no matter what the race is and so George, one of the reasons I, why I wanted to do George as as my first book because I'm confident I'm going to write more, mm-hmm. is I was fascinated by his story I mean he was a guy that sacrificed for a for a larger goal, and I think we all can learn from that basic premise, but I wanted to learn why he, his personality, that fit more than trying to be in the limelight. Right. And I found that I found him to be a fascinating character. Now, you know, you asked and, or you mentioned about my broadcasting stuff, people might not be my biggest fans. It was interesting to see the book was actually not just because of the drug era, era excuse me, but because of the way I wrote it. Um, people either loved it or they hated it. So it wasn't written in a traditional prose sense. I'm not giving anything away to you or your listeners by this, but I was very cognizant of the fact, like I just didn't want to write a book like everybody else writes a book. Mm -hmm. So the theme that I came up with was George sacrificed himself for others. So why not let others help tell George's story? So, so, so within the book, there are these breaks where I quote all these people that were the most important people of his life. And they, at least I thought we were able to do this. And thankfully a lot of people did too. Hence, you know, the fact that it was on the New York times bestseller list and all that stuff. Um, It was just a unique way to do it. It was, it was, it's not common. It bothered a lot of people, but it was a, it was a very, very as I said, strong decision on my part to just not write a cookie cutter book. Right. To, to just figure out a way. And, it, you know, success or not, it is what it is.
0: Well, there's different ways to tell stories. I think you it's figured different
1: that out. ways to skin a cat. But
0: well, no. yeah, something like, I've, I've, I haven't skinned any cat. Never. So, I, I don't, yeah, I know, it's okay. weird. It's weird.
1: Neither have I, for the record. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's just, sad. You know, we have to, we have just, to put I that know. disclaimer it's, it's Exactly. There. It's, we have to hash. Wait, no, we don't hashtag that. It's yeah, a disclaimer. I don't, I, I, don't,
0: I don't even know. You are, our, our social media.
1: We're lucky we don't have ask it. me. We, yes. Yeah, we're lucky media. we have it. I'm way past the age demographic.
0: I, uh, I appreciate this more than you'll ever know.
1: I, I, no, I mean, I'm
0: a big fan. So I appreciate I'm you doing years. it. You're welcome. Um, didn't know about the book, The Loyal Lieutenant. Mm hmm. Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get it. And, uh, someday I'm going to try to work with your agent to maybe get a signed copy of it. We'll see what happens. Um,
1: could make that happen for you All you right. don't even need to hey, involve the agent and you know
0: uh, we give you we give you crap about the Baywatch because we love you uh, hey it's awesome
1: See, there's, there's no denying it What look right people have been giving me crap did I tell you about the coffee lady earlier today uh-huh. walked over to the coffee cart thank you PBR for arranging that right. for our time here at the Lazy E but I'm wearing my board shorts and my flip flops you know sort of the no way we're shirt, doing this pod- podcast no I was wearing a shirt Oh, were Just, you? Okay, you know, okay. didn't know who I'd come across <laughs> as I walked across the cattle pens and, uh, and she he goes wow you look like you could be at the beach and i said <laughs> i'm happy to hear you say that thanks for noticing that's where i usually am
0: as a matter of fact i was on baywatch and that's you can where
1: by the way yeah. that's where i'll be on monday
0: okay that's
1: it i'm done with <laughs> you i'm done with goodbye I'm jealous. Matt West, I'm jealous and all your listeners uh i appreciate it man i really do thanks really do
0: me. see you